All right, guys, welcome back in. Friday's show, Sports Cards Nonsense. Your two wonderful hosts. Co-hosts, actually. I'm sorry. Bill co-host. Russell, Bill Richard Simmons you, Russell said There is a Twitter so. post that says you're the founder of Sports Cards Nonsense, and it upset me just a tiny bit. I didn't tell you Why does that now. upset you? Because don't even. You know I'm in a mood today. You know I'm in a mood. Jesse's in a bad mood. The market it's is Thursday. getting murdered. Yeah, today we record on Thursday. Market's getting murdered. Jesse's ready to kill somebody, so... If he's not his cheery self, that's why. I'll tell you this. You know what's going to turn your, your day right around? I've predetermined you got an A today in your report card for the show. Just already automatic A? I'll tell you. Oh, boss of the year. I'm not even what? a boss. But if I was. Boss of the year? Here we go. And, God. And going. founder. Oh, it I feels good. You. Let's get right in. We were criticized about our pre-show banter. So let's get to the topic because that's what the people want to hear. The they YouTube said it was trolls. too good. Let's get, I don't think we've heard that yet. <laughs> Here we go. Big picture. Big picture. MLB 2021. Predictions, headliners. Let's go. Yeah, so we haven't talked a ton of baseball here. We focus basketball just about every week, which is important. I mean, basketball is just driving the sports card market especially. But with preseason baseball um, obviously underway now, each team's played a few games. We're like a month away from the season actually starting. I think you've got some cool teams. We're going to review just a couple teams and players, maybe how that, how their predictions, uh, maybe how these some of these headliners might affect their card market, maybe some good buys in there. Uh, I just kind of randomly picked out a few different teams. So the Rays, for example, the Tampa Bay Rays, had a good season last year, obviously made the World Series against the Dodgers. I like them just because I think they're an awesome young team. They've got Randy Arizona. It's not his last name, and I refuse to say his last name. (laughs) But Randy had a monster year with power, kind of coming out of nowhere, just a year off that Cardinals trade. Wander Franco smashed a home run the other day in in preseason ball. Uh, Austin Meadows I still like as a cheap just kind of a cheap buy in general. I, I actually kind of like the Rays. I'm not super sold on their pitching. I mean, they're decent. And they're a super small market team, so I'm kind of just quietly rooting for them. But I think the Rays are going to be very competitive again. I also don't think the Red Sox, Orioles, you know, Toronto, I don't know that any of those teams are overly competitive in the ALE. So I think the Rays are going to have a pretty big season, if not win that division. And I think you're going to see, especially Wander and Austin Meadows, have standout years. I don't know what Randy does to back up his... Like he came on out on a tear last year with home runs. Uh, so you have the projections. Go ahead. You, you you're always pro Boston team all the time, no matter if they're actually good or not. That's Red Sox never been not, the case. Red Sox are not the case. The Red Sox have been garbage the last couple of years. Yeah, I was down in the Celtics last week in the show. You, what are you talking everyone about? Say, everyone's commenting about how much you love the Celtics. Even I love they the Celtics. Doesn't mean I think they're great. I don't even think they're a contender in the East. I said this clearly. Uh, I don't think it was that clear. People see a, a people short, say. angry man with, with Larry Bird <laughs> paraphernalia all over his house, and all of a sudden I have no valid opinions. I don't have any valid <laughs> opinions. That's fine. But I am not a That's homer fair. when it comes to actual on-field production. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be all that good. I love Devers. I think Devers is going to have a monster year. I don't think the Red Sox – I don't know what they've done to improve all that much. And JBJ left, which we're going to talk about in a minute. I don't think they're great. I think the Rays and Yankees are hands down better than the Red Sox this year, for sure. So – there Any more is. unfounded comments you want to make on the show? Or? I want to know about the guy who hit the 115-mile-per-hour fastball. Who's that guy? The Jason Dominguez, the Yankees prospect? Is that who it is? He was I like 17 or something? He's like 17 oh, yeah. years old. They call him yeah. the Martian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's insane. He might be, he's probably 18 now. Kid is built like, I mean, just a slab of just concrete. That dude, I don't know when we see him come over and come up into the majors, but I mean, I think he's a year, two years away. They call him the Martian because he's built like an absolute. I mean, that's that's why he's just so young, so crazy in shape, unbelievable hand hand speed, power. I mean, he's a weird looking dude, man. 
<laughs> he could he could come up and just be an absolute monster. And he's in the New York market. I mean, when his wow. prospect came out last year, there's a reason it was like the highest selling prospect out of the gate uh, that Bowman had really ever seen. His stuff's on fire. I Actually, we weren't going to talk about him, but I'll tell you right now, if you have Dominguez stuff, Jason, I don't know how to say his first name either. Another name I'm butchering. J-A-S-S-O-N. Jason. I just call him Jason. I don't give I any credit to I could have put Jason. He spells it like that. I don't give any credit to the second S. I'll be honest with you. If you That's have fair. Jason Dominguez stuff, I would I would just hold it because I think you're going to see little things like this are enough to keep the hype train going until he actually starts making some progression. But he's a monster. If you want to buy some, again, if you're cool holding it for a while, because I think once he comes up, we've just never seen like a monster prospect come up in that system. Yankees, perfect storm. So he, I think his stuff, when he actually cracks the bigs, just going to be insane. So, but yeah, I think the Rays and the Yankees are the, are the class of the AL East, unlike nice. my Red Sox. Uh, NL Central, I like the Brewers. I think Christian Yelich is going to get back to form. Actually, I sent you that slip today, the, that form on our messenger. What is he projected to do? He plays for the Brewers. It may take you a second. You can do it by team. Yeah. So okay. Yelich had a monster, while you're doing that, Yelich had a monster 2019 season. I don't think he won the MVP that year because I'm pretty sure he got injured end of 2019, but had an awesome season. Last year, struggles with injuries. His batting average is way down. But I think Yelich is going to come back to form. Keston, that second-year guy who's a good buy still, in my opinion, out of 2017 Bowman draft. Keston, I think they project him on that same sheet, like 25 to 30 home runs. That's kind of the overall consensus projection for Keston, which if he does that, he's going to blow up. You got Yelich? Yelich is 35 home runs. How many RBI? Uh, 94. And what what are they about average? The average is in a weird spot, if I remember there. Like three hundred is 0.276. So 276. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, in 2019, he batted way over 300. Last year, he was like a 200. So I think Yelich has a big season. I think Kesson's going to have a pretty good year as well. And they just signed Jackie Bradley Jr. to play center field. Gold glove caliber center fielder. I mean, he's a good piece to add to that team. They were a little bit weak last year. I think the Brewers have a nice bounce back season and probably make a run. And especially with Yelich. I do. I, I like Yelich. We're actually going to talk about one of his cards in uh your your favorite segment that will remain nameless until we get to it. I won't say so, it. So <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> uh actually the next two guys as well, we're gonna talk about another team in the NL East. Uh, excuse me, NL Central, the Cardinals. Yep. Cardinals, I mean, obviously huge trade, probably the winners of the offseason this year. I think, at least I think you can make the case. Nolan Arenado, somebody finally dragged him out of the just meaningless Colorado Rockies team system. Uh, granted, Arenado, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't consider him top, at worst, top 10. I think some guys would have him top five, top three. Perennial gold glove caliber third baseman, offensive numbers off the charts. He's batting in a lineup with Goldie now. Those two guys are going to absolutely crush. The Cardinals are competitive every year. I mean, I just feel like they're consistent. They're like the Spurs of the 90s. Like every year they're in the playoffs and the hunt. It'll be cool to see him perennially just be a, a guy that is in the mix. I mean, the Rockies had some success on and off, but this market's so much bigger. I think they're going to be way better than any Rockies team he was ever a part of. So I'm excited. I think Arenado's another guy whose stuff is going to jump. And just because of the era we live, like there's that hype train, Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, all of a sudden guys are excited about the Bash Brothers. You look really, you look like you got something to say. No, I was just going to say, so baseball is one, like you said, we don't talk about it all that much. And I think that for a lot of our listeners, there may be, you know, there's definitely some who love it, but for the guys who aren't as familiar with where they can get information, what is this site that you sent me, Fangraphs? 
Yeah, so Fangraph has it. MLB has a couple different prospects. Uh, Baseball America, they all these, all these. I like that Fangraphs one. I just like the breakdown better, and the numbers were pretty consistent. You can just go basically just Google search twenty twenty one MLB predictions, and you'll get three or four different graphs. Uh, but yeah, MLB has some to put out. ESPN has their projections out as well now. I just, I mean, I take those and then just say, you know, it's obviously just a baseline to go off of. But mm-hmm. I do think, for example, they have Yelich having a way bigger season than last year. I think that's probably true. Um, there's some guys on there that are way lower. I mean, like Wander Franco on there, I think they have like seven to 10 home runs, most of those sites. I think Wander's actually going to have a very good year. He doesn't have a major power bat, uh, more of a four-tool player. The power will come to a degree. So, you know, you kind of just take that and do your research with other, you know, with other tools as well. But that's definitely one area you can look to get at least kind of a baseline number for some of these guys' projections. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, they, I mean, those guys, they've projected everywhere you look has projected Arenado and Goldschmidt to have monster seasons. I think they will. They're finally in lineups now, too, where there's plenty of protection before and after. So I think they're going to see a bunch of good pitching this year. Um, the other kid, too, I actually look out for in, in uh, St. Louis. He was underwhelming when he came up this year. Dylan Carlson, I really like as a young dude in that system. I think Dylan Carlson, maybe this is the year. So tough to gauge what guys did last year. Like they had the whole COVID thing, no spring league, no spring ball, just every, the minors were all messed up and canceled. So I don't know how much, you know, how much you can really put on what guys did last year, especially young guys. So I I think Carlson could come out and have a really, a significant impact on that team. And he's another guy that lineup has so many good hitters and power bats. I don't think there's a ton of pressure on him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Dylan Carlson come out and have a good season. uh, Also with the Cardinals, uh, fourth team who I absolutely love. I liked them last year. They came up short in the playoffs, the White Sox. I think the White Sox are going to have an awesome year. I just, I'm just i super high on the White Sox. It's just weird when you go through the White Sox lineup. If you pull them up on the projections, and if you click on home run, it'll give you like projected highest home runs to lowest. What mm-hmm. are like the top four or five names on there in numbers? So by far, Eloy Jimenez is number one with 39. That was our buy of the week last year. Jimenez yep. is going to have a monster season. Uh, you got Jose Abreu. Oh, God. People are going to roast me. You're doing great. Jose Abreu. <laughs> so Jose Abreu, another weird dude. Consistently from his, since he entered the league in 14, 15, just been a consistently very, very good hitter. He won the MVP last year. I don't think anybody, I myself included, I heard that on random ESPN stat line. Like Abreu's going to put up, he's every year he does it. Like the most quietly consistent hitter. Yep. Hmm. Who's next? Uh, you got Luis Robert. Robert? Yeah. Hurt. Yeah, Lou Bob. We'll just go with that. All um, right. <laughs> he came out smashing the ball for the first couple weeks, fell way off, and the average dropped. He got quiet during the playoffs. But another young guy who's a top five MLB prospect right now. I don't know how much pressure there is when you're behind Eloy and uh, and Abreu. Like I think Robert's going to quietly have a ver- not even quietly. I take that back. I think he's going to have a very good season. Who else you got? Uh, then you got Yasmani Grandel with Grandal, twenty five. Yep. Grandal. And again, solid hitter. Where's Tim Anderson on that list? Tim Anderson is six down. Yeah, uh, more of a contact hit, high average guy. I just mm-hmm. think that offense top to bottom is lights out. I think they're going to have an awesome season. They've got solid pitching. They've got some youth on the de- on the chart now, too. I just think, I don't know, I'm high on the White Sox. I think that they're going to be a team, too, because they have so much youth. I actually think they benefit from the longer season as opposed to last year. So I like the White Sox. Preseason, yeah. I like the White Sox coming out of the AL to face the Dodgers. Now, what are your thoughts on Trout this year? Because this has got him one. number one yeah. out of all players. As it should. Yeah, yeah. Trout. So, so we, I mean, like, give me the top five names there. 
So out of all players, and, and this is what I find interesting because I've got this in order of home run, um, but it's all the guys we're talking about. So it okay. makes me think that's probably one of the biggest factors. It is. There's a stat way off to the right side that says war, W-A-R, wins above replacement. That's kind of become the baseline for who they think will be the best overall. Oh, Hit okay. that. So war stat, who's the top five now? You still got Trout at number one. Yep, hands down. Mookie Betts, number two. Yep. Fernando Tatis, Alex is, Bregman, now Tatis and Juan is Soto. Tatis is interesting. Tatis has struggled with health a little bit. Um, he's the young stud shortstop for the Padres. I think the Padres will have a good season. I think Tatis is a stud. I, I wonder, does he stay healthy for the duration of a full season? Um, yeah, Mike Trout at this point. People arguing Trout isn't the best player in the league. I hate that he doesn't make the playoffs. You know, at some point, though, like if you're still arguing somebody's better than Trout right now, that's fine. Just then you can argue that somebody's better than Jordan. Like there's, it's not that close. I like Mookie Betts a lot. He was great in Boston, perennial MVP type guy. He was good for them last year down the stretch. The Dodgers are loaded. I mean, Magic Johnson and the guys in LA who own that team have thrown so much money and brought in so much talent. It's stupid. Offensive, defensive, pitching. If the Dodgers don't at least make the World Series, it's a crazy disappointment. But Mookie at two, hard to argue. Tatis, we talked about. I love Soto. I think Soto has overtaken Acuna as the next guy for the next 10 years. Like I think every year he's that guy, the Griffey, Bonds, Trout type. He's at the top of the... Every year he's just going to be, hey, is he the best? No, he's second or third best. I mean, he's he's a kid still and had an absolute savage last year and a half when he played, so... Okay. Uh, yeah, I like all those guys. I don't think you can go wrong buying almost anybody who's an established star right now. Of that list you mentioned, I would buy everybody except Tatis. Now, Tatis when you is, say buy, you're saying buy their rookies? In the actual card market, yeah, I would say I think all those guys will see a bump across all their cards when the season starts. Uh, I struggle with Tatis because he's very high now. I Again, I just worry about injury. So I don't know how heavy I'd go with him. But I, all those other guys, I, I would actually be a buyer on. Even Trout. Trout's high, but... I just think one of these years, Trout and the Angels make a weird playoff run, which is the only piece missing from his resume. And when that happens, you're going to see a creepy bump in his stuff as well. So uh, the other things, there's a couple of headliners teams I think will be good. We haven't talked about, again, we haven't talked much baseball. We had Indy, the intern, do some research because there are two. So right now, uh, if you have the email up too with all the stats Mm -hmm. in there, first, across every major statistical category in baseball all time, and second, same two guys. Pujols, mm-hmm. home runs, uh, RBI, everything. Pujols is yep. number one across the board. I'm missing a statistic there. Hits. hits. Yep. Number two, Miguel Cabrera. Again, home yep. runs, RBI, hits, career, active career, career players, uh, their stats. Those guys are one and two on everything. I think Pujols and Miggy both retire after the season, honestly. And I think those are both two guys who have just been vastly underrated in terms of hobby value. I don't think anybody's underrating either one of them in terms of their playing ability. They're studs. I mean, MVPs, championships for both. Miggy had the triple crown a few years back. I think people acknowledge how great they are statistically and historically to the game. But when it comes to actual hobby value, again, Miguel Cabrera stuff was 2000 for his rookie. Pujols was 2001. There's some cool. So what are some of the examples? He gave us a couple examples of brands on there. Yeah. So Pujols, you're looking at, um, let's see, you're looking at, PSA 10, you want prices on it? Yeah, so what's the... T- I think he has the... Bo- I want to know about the Bowman Chrome. Oh, oh, which... Um, so, Pujols has Chrome. the Bowman Chrome Refractor Auto. Yeah, that's um, there's none of those. Those are super expensive. Buy our car yeah, instead. Yeah, there's seven of those. The other, uh, other two are 2001 TC Rookie. 
So his tops Chrome rookie. What's a PSA 10 for that doing? Like 2,500? That, well, yeah, for the most part. There was one recently sold one for five grand. Set. Yeah. But in general, 2,500. Yeah, 2,000, 2,500. That's a 20 year old card of one of the top, I would say, top five best hitters in the history of the game who's about to retire and get a bump from that. Or maybe the Angels actually make the playoffs and the guy finally has another run that he hasn't had since he left St. Louis. That's a super expensive card. But like, if you're talking about stuff to put in the vault, one of the generational hitters, I don't know how you argue from the 2000s, he isn't maybe the best, and and if not the best, the second or third best of the generation since the year 2000. I mean, he's unbelievable. So Pujols stuff, he has some cheaper rookies too. His SP Authentic's a little cheaper. Um well, and Bowman keep in mind, too, the pop count's only 168 super on Super low. So, yeah. Yeah. And that um, pop count is not going to spike out of nowhere. Pulo yeah. stuff. Miguel Cabrera gets even less hobby love. What are some of the Miggy numbers? Yeah, man. He's, like, for his Topps Chrome 2000 rookie, we're looking at PSA 900. 10? A thousand, yeah, PSA 10, $900,000. Yeah. I, I would argue he's one of the top 10 to 15 greatest hitters in the history of baseball. $1,000 for a PSA 10. I don't own either one of their stuff. And you know what's funny? As much as I look now and say those are great numbers, I I haven't ever owned and don't own now any of their stuff. Just because I... Do you regret that decision? Oh, I mean, it'd be nice because you, you could have got that stuff for peanuts, I'm sure, before. I actually think they're still good values now. I just never took the time to buy them. So I think we might see the swan song for those two guys this year. And if so, like those are just two legends walking away that will be instant first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, some of the all-time greats. I don't think it's a bad buy on either one of those guys right now. So, what's interesting too is that that Topps Chrome traded rookie from 2000. The there's 590, but there's another one a Topps. It's not a Chrome. It's Topps traded rookie mm-hmm. um, that has a, about four times the population, and it's selling for more. So yeah, see, I'm just not familiar with the Miggy market. Other than yeah. I'm familiar with the fact both those two are historically undervalued in the hobby. No question. All right. There you go. A little baseball to start the show. Now let's get the basketball. Let's do it. NBA news updates. Let's talk a little Suns first off. Oh, and that's me. Do I talk Suns? You have them on here. Sure. What do you What do you have to say about the Suns? They had a I big have, win against the Lakers the other night, even though Booker got tossed. That's all I have to say. I, I saw the. I saw what happened. I saw how I don't. How I don't understand anymore. What's going on? Because all I saw him was bounce past the ball to a ref and then gets oh. thrown out. Yeah, so he I, bounced a little quick, and I guess he was running his mouth. It's a garbage. <coughs> the refs have been horrible. It happened to Donovan Mitchell against the Lakers right before that, the game before. I mean, these ejections in big games, like just we're not. No one cares what the refs have to say unless it's egregious. Just be quiet and let him play. Give him a technical and leave him in the game. I don't even yeah. think it deserved a technical, quite frankly. Yeah, that, that's a um, that's an absolute garbage situation to toss a star player out of a major matchup like that. But they have gone up. They are now second in the Western Conference. They yeah. are past eight. the Lakers. They've won eight of the last ten games. They you are Jazz prepared, have man. kind of I Jazz like have it. kind of fallen off the last few games, but they're on a three win streak. Uh, Jazz is on a two uh, losing streak. So they're they're making some room for themselves. I'll be honest. I think they're both. I mean, those are your two top seeds out west. I still don't think either one of them are beating the Lakers or the Clippers. I know you think Lakers and maybe Cli- oh Clippers Nuggets. Was me, but I'm, I'm high in the Nuggets still. Yeah, still. I still think. Actually, we were going to talk about this later. I loved Paul Pierce as a Celtics player because I was a big time Celtics guy. In 07 when they won the big three, it was awesome. He is just 
I feel like the only time a statement he makes, because overall I think he's just extremely boring. I don't think he ever says anything of consequence. The only time I feel like he says something, though, is if it's something dumb. So I don't remember when it was, a year, two years ago, there came up something about him and Dwayne Wade. Oh, hands down, I had a better career than Wade. I'm better than Dwayne Wade. Laughable. I just don't even know. <laughs> like, that'd be like me saying I'm taller than Jesse. It's just, Are just you? a completely, just ridiculous take. <laughs> well, then like yesterday or the day before, I see him on Twitter and on his ESPN show, how the Nuggets should trade Jamal Murray. What are you talking about? Like, in what world are they? First of all, that is never going to happen. And why? I just. His nickname playing was the truth, in case you're you're wondering, which it looked like you were. I was wondering. I don't. He has never said anything useful or truthful when it comes to these predictions. I just. Why would the Nuggets ever trade Jamal Murray? Can we get Paul Pearson here? You can yell at me about how I don't know anything about basketball. It'd be fun. I've got a feeling this is the YouTube clip, and this is why we have so many thumbs down. <laughs> oh, I don't care. The YouTube people are just absolute trolls. Talk about a group of people. They're so that mean. Are, oh, just a bunch of basement trolls. Well, there's a few that less. like me, so I do. I like those. You guys. have a little mafia on there. I like that. <laughs> Anyways, we're getting past the point. Uh, the other team out east who actually just beat the Jazz, the Sixers, still cruising. I still have no faith in the Sixers. Every week, people chirp at me, too, about how much I hate the Sixers. I don't care about the regular season. I'm on record saying they're going to be the number one seed in the East. I think they're going to have the best record coming into the playoffs in the East. Nothing the Sixers have done with this current roster and coach has ever proven that they're going to win in the postseason. It hasn't. Look at the history of the Sixers. They've never done it. Ben Simmons cannot shoot, and in the fourth quarter in big games has not been great in the postseason. I don't care if they don't lose a game. From now to the end of the regular season, it changes nothing in my mind. Until I see them win big postseason series and come out of the East, I have no faith. Joel Embiid, absolutely. If we called the season today, he's your MVP. There's no discussion. He is the MVP right now. We're halfway through the season. I don't think he's going to stay healthy. And even if he does, another guy who has showed he struggles deep in games, a lot of times because of his shooting and his free throw shooting, he struggles late in games in the postseason. That doesn't change just because they've had a great regular season. If they come out this year and roll through the East, if they get through the Bucks and they get through the Nets and the Celtics, sure, hats off to them, and my view will completely change. I will not change until I see that happen. I don't care how many big regular season games they win. It makes no difference to me at all. So you only care about playoffs is what I'm hearing. Is that right? For that team, For I, know they're a great, I know they're a great regular season team, just like I know the Bucks are a great regular season team. Come out of the East. I don't want to see you win a series. I want to see you actually make it to the finals and make some noise. Neither okay. one of them have done that. I, and I get that same point. But when we're talking about card value, because I think we're, we forget that a lot of this has to do with hobby right now. Sell it all right now. Bubbles no. Bursting. Sell it all. We're out. <laughs> I'm just saying. Is that I'm what you want to hear? No. I'm just saying. It's a good like, one. Okay. So, so in relation to that, I'll be honest, because I buy and sell based on what I think a team is going to do, I would sell Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons right now. I don't think they're going to get much higher right now, unless you're going to hold it until the beginning of the playoffs, because they're going to win at least a series or two. They're not. They're going to smash a deep seed, no question. So maybe you hold till then. But I don't think the market's going to move a ton with them the rest of the season, honestly. I think they're playing as good as they're going to right now, and the sales reflect that. I would move off of both those guys and buy into a team that I think is actually going to win and come out of uh, out of the East or the West. Okay. So yeah, I would sell both of those. Giannis, Giannis, your boy, a little bit Giannis. different. His rookie stuff is about half of what it was at its peak last year. I would save Giannis and hold his stuff a little longer. And I think there's probably a small window to buy. It's just expensive. 
There's upside with Giannis. It's just expensive to get in with him right now. So, honestly, I think Durant's a better buy than both those guys, like I say every week. And honestly, the next guy, pull up James Harden's stats, please. Like his last, I looked at his last five games. Pull up his last five or 10 games if you can. So the Nets have won like 11 of 13, I think. Absolute tear, no KD. I love that James Harden has come, and I I have never liked James Harden's game. I hate the ISO nonsense out in Houston, although I think he's the best offensive player we've seen in a long time. I never liked the game. He was another guy, just never got through and made it to the finals. Not all his fault, but if you're the star player, you shoulder some of that. I'll say this about Harden. His attitude on the Nets, he's actually putting in some effort defensively late in games. Not that he's by any means a good defender, but he's at least trying. And he also has the attitude of, hey, I'm here to score now, but when Kevin's back, I want Kevin to average 35 to 40. Harden is averaging like 13 assists over the past five games. He's putting up incredible triple doubles. Give me his points, rebounds, and assists the last five games. Just Last five games. Points, 29, 30, 29, 20, and 29. So he's averaging what? Like, so that's an average of probably 27, 28 points. Okay. Yeah. Rebounds and assists, same thing. Uh, 10, 14, 7, 9, 11. So you're averaging what around 10 to 11. 11. Okay. Yep. That's rebounds or assists. That's rebounds. Okay. So assists, 10. you're looking at 14, 15, 6, 7, 14. So, so probably well, 10 or 11 probably. Yeah. I mean, the dudes, I just feel like they're clicking. And when Durant comes back, I just think that's a weird, scary team. I do until I see somebody actually knock them out of the playoffs. I'm all over the nets until the end. Uh, one card sale, too. We had that Luca card sale. You have the stats on that? Yeah. I'm not the, prepared for this, so you can take this one. Insane. This is now the record for NBA. $4.6 million, if you guys didn't see. It was in a private sale, but, I mean, that is... It's the one-of-one one Luca Logo Man Auto? Yes. Do you, yep. Does it say National what, Treasures. It's NT. Okay, thank you. Yep. $4.6 yeah. $4.6 million. Apparently Dude cut was, a check for that, by the way. Personal check, if I'm not mistaken. It makes you wonder where it's going to pop up next. I want to know whose collection that's in. And you you never know. Man. It could be one of these where we end up seeing it again on, at another auction before too long. Because, I mean, Lucas stuff is going nowhere. Well, it's, it's been, been climbing lately. Up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely been climbing. And they're going to, I mean, they're going to be a, I, I believe, they'll make the postseason, I think. At least make the, the play-in round. So I own a little bit in the Dibs app that we'll be talking about shortly. Ooh, nice little tease for the end of the show, by the way. Yeah, we have the end coming up with Evan Vandenberg and Dibs, the new fractional trading, buy, sell app, all that. So, yeah, looking forward to talking to him. Uh, Yeah, crazy. 4.6 million. That's nuts. Speaking of money. Uh Uh-oh. Are you? Uh Uh-oh. Listen, I know you've had a bad day. You're not thrilled with the market. I keep looking at it during the show. If you see my eyes go down, if you're watching the podcast, it's because I'm looking at the market. It's nobody's fault. It's upsetting. Are you ready for this? Uh, but that being to, said, do you need to take the day off? <sighs> yep, it off. Straight cash, homie. Pretty good. That is all I had. I'm done. Uh, I'm spent. Do you have a straight cash homie for the week? Uh, no, because uh, my Charizard was not what I thought it was going to be. I thought I thought Pokemon was going to have a nice bump. Um, it might. It's it's still got it time, and coming. there's still some things that are. Going up, but nothing substantial enough to be a straight cash homie pick. Okay, I'm a, I got three that we talked about at the opening segment, the MLB Headliners Tour. So kind of varying price range, just a couple on the cheaper side. Dylan Carlson, a guy we talked about, a, a couple plays here. 2016 Bowman Draft was his first prospect chrome auto. So Dylan Carlson, 2016 Bowman Draft. 
That auto raw goes about a buck 75 to 200 as a gem from Beckett. So a BGS 9.5 slash 10, 9.5 card, 10 auto grade. Does like three to 325. I think those are both good buys because I think he's going to have a good season. So I think you'll see a spike there. So that's in your 200 to 300 range. Nolan Arenado falls in the same range. Now we saw his 2013 update PSA 10 hit 250. The day he was traded, all of a sudden people went nuts because they think, hey, this is going to be a hype. He's going to play well. You know, he'll be consistent with St. Louis. So it'll be good. Those are actually back down to like 215 to 220. So that's a 2013 Tops update PSA 10. If he plays well, I I think those could easily hit $300 because people love the paper chase now. And his Chrome autos are way more than that for his rookie stuff. So I actually like that play for him. The other guy, too, probably the headliner of this one, definitely the most expensive in buy, sell, or excuse me, in straight cash Hi. this week. <laughs> uh, Christian Yelich, 2010 so Bowman Chrome. His, his Beckett 9.5 slash 10s are doing 750 to 800-ish. That also depends on the four subgrades there. You know, you Chrome guys understand all that garbage for the new guys. 9.510 is all you need to know. 750 to 800. I mean, guys like Bellinger, Mookie, all these other guys are trading so much higher than that. The pop on Yelich is not that high either because 2010 was a tough year uh, as far as condition. I like that play as well if you're looking to get a little bit more expensive. Last show note, I've been trying to do this. There's just been nothing of note like, hey, you know, things we uh, things that are uh, this day in sports history or whatever. I like this. I've never found anything like useful. It's always like a bunch of stupid facts. <laughs> I don't, are you familiar with the Jimmy V speech from ESPN? Happened 28 years ago. The Jimmy V Foundation. He gave a speech. Yes. Yeah, 28 years familiar. ago today, which is March 4th. The show comes out on the 5th. Dude, I literally almost brings me to tears when I watch that speech. No joke. Even now. Oh. That guy. It, yeah. I'm telling you. one of the. If you have not mm. spent the time on that speech, you need to go ahead and listen to that. Moving. You need to listen to that today. You're getting crushed in the market. Go no. listen to Jimmy V. All of a sudden, I, turns your whole. That was 28 years ago. Kind of crazy. I did not know it was that long. It felt like a lot less than. How that. old I, were you 28 years ago? Five. <sighs> That's Baby. not right. Six. You're six. Six You'd almost six. seven. Six almost seven. <laughs> Matt's not our strong suit. That's okay. We're doing. I don't know. Some people would argue we don't averages. have a lot of strong suits. Period. <laughs> Speaking of strong suits, let's get to the interview. We're going to close it out with Evan and the Dibs team here, and then we'll uh, yeah we'll figure this out and we'll go from there. All right, guys, interview time of the show. We teased this last week, too. Dibs, one of the few ideas I don't think is stupid. We get pitched a lot of dumb things. He did not pitch <laughs> this to us, but I did hear about this, and I reached out and name-dropped everybody under the sun to Evan Vandenberg. I literally said I was—I think I even mentioned I might be Bill Simmons' son, so you should come on for that Blood reason. tester's still out. We don't anyway, know for sure. Well, we don't know yet. Anyways, Evan Vandenberg, owner, CEO. What's the title here? Yeah, co-founder, CEO of Dibs. I like it. Co-founder, nice. CEO of Dibs. So first off, just kind of give us an explanation. What, what's the Dibs platform? What's going to be happening over there? Yeah. So, I mean, Dibs at like the, you know, the most basic level is uh, 24-7 live fractional trading of sports cards. Um, lots of nuance there that we'll get into. But, you know, at the core, the concept that we were running with and why we built this company was there was, you know, I was jumping heavy back into cards and I just like could not stand the way I was going about it. Right. I mean, the buying hundred boxes, all these things, trying to build a collection, the way the speed of transactions, uh, kind of all these things came to a heads and we kind of took, you know, a look at what was going on in our backgrounds with crypto and digital item trading. And we were like, like, we can, we can make something extremely fun and extremely fast here, um, as it pertains to sports cards. So that was kind of the impetus for dibs. So you're a card guy already, already in the space, yeah. already a hobby guy. Okay. I How long has this be- app been in the works, Evan? So did just like as a business in the works? 
Yeah. How long have you been working on the app? Is this something fairly new since the boom the last year or have this been, has this no. been going on for a while? No. So it's funny. I mean, the, like the timing, look, it's the luckiest timing ever. Uh, I mean, the idea that NFTs, cards, fractionals kind of all hitting this, like, you know, kind of all the buzzwords of the moment. Um, it was not by design. I mean, I thought about this. So I was working with Tops doing a bunch of their blockchain-based uh, digital assets. And, you know, it was back and forth in New York. You know, I've talked about this a few times, but I uh, started working with their team. And then, you know, I got back heavy into cards. I'd taken like a five, six-year hiatus. 2018 rolled around. We were working for about two years together on different projects. And I was buying, you know, a ton of boxes. And I was just, you know, it, it all kind of spun out of this, me getting back into cards, seeing the success of what they were doing in the fully digital realm. And kind of my whole background of digital item and virtual economy stuff. So, yeah, it's been about in the works. I mean, in my brain and on paper, you know, maybe a little over a year. Um, 13, 14 months ago, I'd say it was like when I really thought like, all right, I've had this idea for a while. I want to go put pen to paper and think about this. We actually started the company in September of 2020, um, closed our first financing round in October. And yeah, here we are. I mean, that's, you know, the first, uh, I guess we're nine days into beta. Let me ask wow. you this too. Are, are you a tech guy? Is that your background at all? Yeah. So I'm a so, you know, okay. software development to some degree, product, all that. Yeah. I ask this because, again, we have, again, not that Evan was pitching this. I know you haven't, but that does seem to be the big thing now. Like I, every week we're getting multiple companies. It seems like it's all the tech background guys. Everybody wants to come into the card space now and take, like, make the platform, right? We've seen it with kind of like collectible and rally with the fractional thing. Uh, you know, they were the first in the door. I think that's worked well. So let me ask you, so what differentiates it? Because differentiate, you know, what oh, makes don't. it different? Here Just we go. Just keep going. Corey, <laughs> cut the sound right now. I swear to God. Okay. Yeah, what makes it different? Because, I mean, everybody now comes in and it's like, hey, we're going to reinvent the wheel here with cards, which I, I'm, and I'll tell you right now, I'm skeptical across the board on all the new platforms just because at the heart of this hobby is still a bunch of guys wearing jerseys going to card shows. And or people like me who are just ignorant, I have to call Jesse to get a Zoom meeting turned on because I'm dumb. What gets people like me and even guys with less tech savviness to them? What gets them into the space then? So, like, I guess there's kind of like two questions there, right? So there's like nine questions there. I like to really <laughs> so, drag it out. He pulled a Jesse question. No, no, I mean, like, look, you're right, right? At the core of this hobby, right, is is ripping up and wax, going to card shows. Like, that is the core of the space, right? What I think is you know, kind of where where tech and, and some of these other avenues are going to help is outside of this existing hardcore collector, right? Guys are going to shows, been doing this for a while, trading on eBay, doing all that. I think the space has become, you know, obviously rapidly growing, but it's become really unapproachable for a lot of people, right? There's a lot of my friends, like it's all of a sudden the tides are kind of shifting where, you know, and, and of course there's like the money aspect of there's a lot more money pouring into the space and, and card prices are, you know, doing all sorts of crazy, crazy jumps. But I think, you know, at the core of it, there's an approachability standpoint where, look, to get in on good cards, you A, got to have a decent-sized bankroll, right? I mean, you've got to have a serious wallet to get in on some really meaningful stuff, unless you're fortunate enough to rip it up wax. So I think there's a cost, you know, accessibility problem. I think there's also, like, just a nuance, and this is part of what I love about the hobby, is the nuance and learning the different, you know, all the different factors and going to why a card's cool, right? Like, somebody sitting in the background, right? All of a sudden, that that becomes a kind of the flagship key component of the card, I think for a newbie or somebody who's loosely affiliated with cards, who's trying to get into the space, it is hugely burdensome, burdensome to kind of figure out all of the nuance. I mean, you have thousands of individual, you know, Luka Doncic cards, right? Different parallels, different refractors from different sets. For somebody to piece all that together, we thought was, 
you know, going to be very difficult given the price points and, and some of the other, you know, I'll call it like data inefficiencies within space. And so we really wanted to build something that was, you know, A, easy to use, fun, real time, and just made things a lot more accessible to people. And I think that's the, the North Star, whether we've done that yet, you know, obviously not fully, but it, that is the North Star. Well, and I think too, one of the things that I was, you know, that I found appealing when I first heard about you guys was that, you know, there's a, you, you got top shot over here that's all crypto and NFTs. And then you've got, you know, your collectible, collectible. Oh God, I'm pulling a mic. Differentiate. Uh, c- collectible. Cut the sound, and, and rally uh, where, you know, you've got your fractional shares. But I think that what's really cool is that you guys kind of merge these two where you've got physical cards that guys can actually get a hold of if they ended up purchasing all the shares for. But at the same time, you've got the aspect of, I don't have to be here in America where there's easier access to cards. I could be in Central Asia or wherever, and I can make money off the card market. And yeah, if I ever bought that card out, could I get that physical, actual card? Yes, but that's that's the beauty. I think it pulls in those guys who are at the card shows and at the same time pulls in those guys who want to make money not here in the States uh, and gives them a platform to do it. No question there? Just a long... Okay, we're good. I was getting nervous. No, I want to see what what his thoughts are. Totally, right? So you have... Right, you've seen this insane boom with with Top Shot, right? And like... Crazy. uh, Everybody's got their own two cents on the matter. But like at the end of the day, like people do love it and they're having a lot of fun with it at this moment in time. Is it going to end well or, or, or awful? I don't know, right? And I don't have a crystal ball. What I do know is people are starting to accept the fact that just physically having something isn't the only way to own and kind of, you know, possess a, a collectible, right? So people are getting over these hurdles. Um, I think where we think it's more interesting right now is that hybrid. We're like, hey, look, we can take some of the awesomeness that's available with the digital stuff, right? The instant trading, the instant kind of, you know, liquidity, the way to share your collection on social media, on different, you know, online platforms where, look, there isn't a lot of card shows going on right now, right? And if you've got this crazy collection, like having a really cool way to showcase that in a digital format is actually a lot of fun. And I think with, you know, the Gen Z millennial types, um, you know, even my, my age and younger, I think it's becoming increasingly more important and more fun for them to be able to do this stuff, you know, from their phone or from their desktop. Right. And that's the world they're living in way more so than they are, you know, trade shows and things like that. So there's this convergence of the technology has gotten a lot better, right? The NFT stuff um, has, has really helped. There's some interesting things there. It's not the be all end all. I think there's a lot of hype around it. I, I hope that people see through and, and figure out what the you know actual use cases are for this that are fun and got thoughts on that that we can talk about later. But yeah, I guess that's my two cents, Jesse. And we can dive in, if you want to dive into any of that, I'm happy to answer. Well, I, I think those are the real, the, the things that we like about it. But I think there's also some things that we have some questions on. So, yeah. you know, Mike and I have both been using that the past few days. I think there's some really cool functionality in it. But I think one of the bigger things that we've both noticed is that some of these values seem pretty inflated. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, so I think it's a really and I don't want to take this like down a crazy philosophical rabbit hole. But so let's just take that Zion card. Right. That was, you know, it, it, we did a drop. It was about thirty thousand dollar card. You know, the comps out there are somewhere in between, you know, 30 and 35,000 on recent sales on, on eBay, if I'm correct. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. So you go back to this point of the values are higher, right? That Zion card was now at like 40 some odd thousand. And, and I guess the logical brain would say, okay, well, 
on eBay, I can't find a sale for that. But I think there's a different, like a deeper thing here, guys. And, and that is that the guy who's trading that $40,000 card, the market for the people who are in the buying and selling of that card and collecting of that card is tiny. And I think that you're actually figuring out what the supply and demand is worth to those people, right? And I think when you democratize these things and you bring this, like everyone's on the same playing field now, right? Everyone's kind of got the same budget when you really start fractionalizing stuff to this degree and you let people with you know, $100 make the same decision in terms of, you know, where's their value point. So I think there's a, a like genuine possibility that we're going to figure out a lot about what the actual world thinks about the value of this card and not so much these like elite card collectors, right? And I'm not trying to play like they're elite and they're like trying to kill everybody off. It's like, you know, it's just different, right? There's a different budget threshold. And I think we're seeing some interesting stuff and it's not just on the upside, right? There's some, some cards are trading below value and that might be something that's, you know, indicative of, some of the trends within the more kind of like the broader sports, you know, sports fandom, um, which could be like, you know, baseball sometimes, especially the younger generation isn't as like watch. It's not as, they're not as uh, the stars aren't as bright in terms of, you know, compared to basketball. So I think we're going to learn a lot there, but those are, you know, that's my two cents now. And of course it's also early days. The market's not crazy efficient yet. Right. And we're talking six, 700 people trading cards on there right now. So I think you're going to get skews in different directions until that scales out and things kind of settle. So let me ask you, I, I do have a couple of quick questions about that too. So the Zion card, for example, anything that's being put on there to drop as a fractional drop, is that dibs owned or do you have private people submitting cards? You know, hey, they sell it, or is that stuff you have on hand? That's your stuff. That's company owned assets that are being fractionalized that way. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So by and large, it's a consignment model. So we work with some massive collectors and we basically consign their products. So their cards, they send them to our vault. We insure them. We tokenize them. We put them on the platform. They actually choose the price, right? Like I, in in the sense of like, Dibs doesn't get to set the market for everything. Like that's not something we want to do. Um, we want to make this more of a free flowing platform where if you've got a card and you want to send it to Dibs, like this is now a new option for selling, right? I mean, right now it's a little bit handholdy and just trying to get all the processes in place but like the end goal is to have anybody with a slabbed card that meets you know certain criteria be able to send their card in and, and sell it this way and fractionalize it um, and there's some in really interesting stuff we can do for a seller right mike like if you had a collection say you have a hundred thousand dollar card you want to put on tips mm-hmm. um you sell for hundred thousand dollars everyone's happy that sells out uh you know we as a business we have you know uh trade fees right that's our, our business model is hey for facilitating all this we take sure. a small percentage of, of every transaction we then can pass that on to sellers as a way of thanking them for, you know, me not having to go and raise $200 million of capital to go buy up all these cards. And it becomes just like, we try to like realistically think about like, how do we invert that business model? Right. Cause right now you're just paying fees and like, you're losing money on all of your sales. Like, is there a way to keep a more interesting kind of business model there for a seller um, of a physical card? And so, you know, that's, that's my, I guess my two cents and probably way more than that answer. So so let me say this. I like it from the seller's point. I'll say this then. If I'm just consigning a card, I don't see any downside from, from me as a seller. Like, for example, the, uh, the Zion stuff. And I think some of the values are pretty close. I do wonder, though, what's like the check and balance system? I give you the Zion, you know, because I've got, some, you say, hey, you want to sell a $100,000 card. I've got some $90,000 cards here at the house. Well, not at the house anymore, but something I would send you and say, hey, I'd like to sell this for a hundred grand. When I know the market is 80 to 90,000, is there a check and balance on you guys' end? Like, hey, cute, you want to get a hundred for it. It's a $90,000 card. Yeah, we have veto power. So like, okay. when, like we, you know, we, we provide data to 
all these suppliers. We have like, you know, all the data we can pull. So that being, you know, eBay, um, different auction prices, PWCC valuations for these cars. And we put together a band of what we believe is reasonable, right? Um, and nobody is, you know, to this point in time, like nobody's trying to, you know, gouge that. Um, but absolutely, it's going to be a problem, right? Like, let's just be clear. Like, that's sure. impossible for that one to come to come up. And where it gets tricky is with the one-on-one stuff, right? Like, and that's where, you know, it becomes this difficult, like, okay, well, you want to sell it for $500,000 because it's one-on-one, but I can't find a comp that justifies that. And then that could be a little bit more contentious. We're actually thinking about putting together like a, you know, potentially like an advisory group, right? Of people who are like, hey, this is a yes or a no, right? And and on bigger cards and more important kind of situations where we obfuscate that to a group of like professionals who are like objective about the whole situation. They have no upside in any particular avenue, right? And I think that's going to ultimately be something we come down to because I don't want that, right? I don't want somebody selling a $500,000 car on a platform that's really 100000 These people are getting, you know, Screw it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So here's the other thing, because I think this is the cool... Honestly, when this was first explained to me, the coolest feature to me on the site, period. All, the fractionless stuff is cool, but I can do that elsewhere. You know, very cool here, but that that's around, right? The coolest thing, and to me, the most unique thing about it is you can go on the Dibs app if you're a cool kid like me and have a code. I threatened somebody on Twitter for the code, so I, I think I said I, w- I will cut somebody if I don't get a code. I didn't mean that. I take it back. Oh but it got God. me a code, so I'm not mad I did it. The coolest thing to me, though, is investing in players. You can literally go on there and invest in a player. I, it was the coolest thing at first, and now I, I have the most questions about it. I'm a big KD guy. I have a ton of money tied up in KD because I think he's cheap. So my first search on here, KD. And the, so you can invest in the actual player. My well, thing, to, just to sorry, clarify, it's the player collection, right? So like all cards right. associated with Kevin Durant would fall under his player collection. Correct. Yeah. So you click on Kevin. I want to invest in Kevin Durant. It shows you the portfolio, so to speak. Yes. In the Kevin Durant portfolio, there's one card. There's the 2007 Topps Chrome PSA 10. Yep. I got a bunch of those. I know what they sell for. I know what they're trading at. It's like a 10 to 11,000, maybe 11, 11, five right now. But on to buy into the Durant, the valuation on here is like twenty one thousand ish. Where's the disconnect? Like, what's what is what am I missing there? Because I'm sure I am missing something. I'm just curious. Like, what's the you are and you aren't right? I think like you got to remember early early days, right? Right? Like when you get more people in here, more sophistication, more people transacting, markets tend to to follow some level of rationality, right? I mean, not not precisely, but I think right now, you know, Kevin Durant. It was bought up. People really wanted that card. There's some massive buy orders placed on it. People were really trying to like get as much of that card as humanly possible, and it drove the price up a bit. You know, again, it kind of comes back to this question of like, I agree with you that one is out of whack, no question. Um, but to tie it back to the player collection, um, just so you like, I guess, like to tie that back to the player collection feature, right? Is we have one card of Kevin Durant, so like that example. And like, generally speaking, anything we have one card of, which is not the goal, right? I mean, we want to have a hundred Kevin Durant cards, but mm-hmm. you know, bear with me. We're seven days in, eight days in. Sure. Um, so like even today, we're actually dropping another one-on-one Kevin Durant card, right? So that'll be added to the portfolio, uh, the, the player collection for Kevin Durant. And what okay. we do there, so when you're buying on that, right, is that's a way that if you, especially for a newbie, right? And for somebody who wants to really like focus on player collections, right? And not so much like picking individual cards and, and where those things are going to go when, you know, for what, you know, rhyme and reason. I think with the player collections is we actually can, you can say, hey, I want to put $100 on Kevin Durant's collection. 
And it's, it's not like an ETF, right? People make that comparison. It's actually a spot buy. So we have you know, a fair amount of liquidity on both sides of these, these buy orders and sell orders. And we can actually buy and sell you know, certain amounts, right? There's certain amounts we just can't fill. And you know, obviously, if you wanted to buy the whole thing, it doesn't work that way. But you can go in on any player and you can actually just put money onto a player and proportionally buy their cards uh, throughout their entire collection. So for every piece of their card. And ultimately, when we have more cards, you can deselect stuff and you know, choose maybe you don't like this particular variant or that, but I want the rest of it. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if that helps answer the player collection piece. So when it comes to the one-on-one Durant that drops at 12 o'clock today, so yeah. a piece of that, I noticed, for example, it already says 20% sold. Is a piece of that going into the existing KD player portfolio? Yeah, yeah. Well, so yes and no. So the, the part that's already sold, just there's a confusion about this on Twitter. So like the consignment model, right, is we actually allow people to keep up to 20% of the card they're selling, right? Gotcha. So okay. That's where they already sold thing. We should probably use different verbiage on there, like just to be clear, because I think it did. It just like rubbed people the wrong way. I think it was already sold. So everything of that, yeah, the rest of that card, and including that card, if they put up sell orders, um, that will all be in his player collection. So all the order books for any of the Kevin Durant cards will be there. So as soon as that drop, the initial drop, mm-hmm. it kicks into a live market, which is 24 hours after it sells out, like approximately, um, that is when you'll be able to have it in the player collection for Kevin Durant. So in that situation, then, if the original owner is keeping 20%, is there any actual situation where someone in the market can actually buy enough share? I mean, they couldn't buy enough shares to actually own that card, right? Because the original owner still owns a portion of them. So there's multiple facets here. So no, there's still buyout rights. So you don't actually, so the, the interesting part is we, this is clearly a problem. And so what we did is we created a system and it's a math-based system where if you own 70% and we may drop that down to like, 50 or 60%, you can actually execute a buyout so that you don't have to sit there and collect every little fraction of every single person who's on there, right? And like, truth be told, right, somebody might have fractions and they you know, never come back to the app with, right? Um, so we have a buyout mechanism there where you can actually buy out all the remaining token holders. They have no ability or say to fight that. It basically looks at the, long story short, is it's like the current value and then the highest of the last 90 days, and you pay a 33% premium on that. So, you know, if the car was a dollar, you pay $1.33 you know, kind of proportionally to all the token holders out there, and then you get the card and then you can have it shipped to you and, or you can take it as an NFT and take it to whatever blockchain marketplace you want to take it to. Okay. Yeah. But that's clearly not the goal here. The goal is not to have these things get buyout offers. I mean, look for me, I, we want, we want some uh, like attrition on that. Like we want people to take cards off the platform. Like we actually genuinely do. Right. Uh, There's reasons for it outside of just like, we want people to have these, right? And ultimately, we want to have awesome cars that people do want to get off the platform. So, you know, it's I would I would disagree with the statement. I guess um, okay. We obviously want to keep inventory, but like we have a big influx of inventory. We want things to move off, and we want people to take them and do other things with them. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's part of the the value proposition. So I don't I don't like yeah. Okay, I I think too one of the the interesting features is that you know. I, I keep going back to this idea of international buying because there's so many people. There's such a huge market that doesn't get access to it. And I'm wondering what you think about this as far as valuations being higher than what they are right now in the actual physical card market being higher on dibs. Could it be because you're seeing a market that now has access to it that never had access before? 
essentially, you know, I got a guy in Australia who would have bought that card, but the shipper doesn't ship to Australia or whatever the case may be. So, so totally. Uh, right now, though, I mean, it is U.S. only. Like, we're only KYC and U.S. citizens at this point in time. Um, oh, okay. Going through that process of like, but like, one hundred percent. Like from the day we started this and, and going forward, is we want that is the the, the larger plan is, uh, yeah, Europe, Asia, South America. Like we want these people to have the same opportunities, and obviously, like have to figure out some logistics stuff with especially certain countries and certain jurisdictions trying to get these cards shipped all the way out there and all that but i think for sure you're going to see some changes right if, if you start allowing that level of access that u.s citizens have today with ebay and everything else and you kind of give that same ability to somebody in another country it, it seems only logical that things would either you know and it's not all like, all going up right i mean it's just it's going to be different and and i guess we'll learn what that looks like you know, over time so I guess like the big question that everyone's going to be asking is when can they, you know, download this for themselves? When when can they get access to it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's in the app store right now. Uh, so it's in the, you know, the U.S. app store. It is behind like an invite code wall, like, you know, as Mike alluded to. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of, of the right answer for timeline. I think for the next four to six weeks, it's still going to be invite only. Our goal is to get that thing out. I mean, it's just trying to scale everything. Make sure, you know, you're dealing with like really important stuff, right? These things are real fractional interest in cards, real cash. And so we just want to make sure that we had customer support up to date. You know, the tech was scaling the right way. So we're just trying to kind of slowly add a few thousand people every week until we clear out that wait list. And then we're kicking it live and, and, and hopefully moving into other countries in the not so distant future. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Is there a way that we can get like, say 10 of these access codes to give away to random people who listen in, you know, like get fans of the show. They've been dying to Do get in. Do we have in. 10 fans yet? Let's be honest. I just want to. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I'm trying to talk us up, This week on the podcast. I'm trying to talk us up. I was pretty excited. Pretty excited. What, what, are you, what, what kind of availability? You're on the spot. Everyone's listening. They'll be upset if you say no. Go. 100%. We got you guys. Whoa, there it is. We'll get you guys in there. Thank you guys for having me on here too. And, and no problem. Would love to love to, to support the show and, and get some more people. I mean, we've got the same audience we're looking for. So I would love to get some some people from here uh, through the app and, and honestly get their feedback, right? I mean, we're in a big time learning phase of, of the business right now. Uh, so it'd be great to you know hear what, what people have to think. There awesome. you go. This is the whole reason Jesse booked you right here. I knew there was an ulterior, <laughs> ulterior motive, and that was it. That was that like, was yeah, man. This whole time I thought I was going to be talking to Bill Simmons. So you know, I know. Instead, you got his illegitimate son, who may not be related. So it's close. Same thing. Evan Vandenberg, CEO, co-founder, president, owner. Just all of it. Just all the titles apply. Dibs. So uh, you said it's in the in the app store. Of course, we'll drop it in the show drop as well. D i b b s dot com. Is that that's the website? Correct. Yeah, no, dot, okay. no, dot .io, sorry. D-I-B-B-S.io, so dibs.io. Okay, and in the so app store, it's D-I-B-B-S. There. Okay. Yeah, in the app store, yeah, D-I-B-B-S. Perfect, good deal. We'll pump it up when we're done with the show. Appreciate you taking some time and jumping on with us. Hopefully, we can check back in and see how things are going once this thing uh, starts launching, and we'll see what happens here at 12 o'clock with my Kevin Durant card. So, appreciate good. the time, uh, Evan. Yeah, well, and thank you, guys. Those are good questions, man. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a cool space to jump into. So, hey, we appreciate right, it. We'll definitely pump Much it up. And thank you for coming on, brother. Yeah. So that was Evan. I mean, I, like I said, I'm glad I came on. I will say this. I'm glad he's at least honest with, hey, I, I, good that people ask some difficult questions. Because I was. I was excited about the player aspect. Then I started looking and I was like, yeah, it's cool. But I'm not I'm not buying into something valued at 20 grand when I know I own them at 10,000. So 
they're going to keep messing with that. I mean, I'll, I'll be yeah. curious to see how it goes. Um, I, yeah, I mean, again, that the value thing I struggle with because if you have new guys coming in off the mark, off the street, getting back into the hobby and dumping big, they start coming into this. Hey, it's accessible. It's easy. I'm going to jump in and spend money. I'll be curious once that thing is really up and running, what type of value it sustains for stuff. That, I guess that would be my fear. But yeah, I we'll think see. too that. The fact that he does have a plan in place where you don't have to be a hundred percent owner, because that was my thing yeah. when I first heard that. I'm like, how's anybody actually going to own any of this stuff? Because no one's going to be able to collect a hundred percent of shares. Like he's like you he mentioned, like if someone buys a share and then never gets back on the app, you know, right. at least he's got plans in place where you could own I hope it's like fifty-one percent. You know, like if you own fifty-one percent, you can put it in a bid. You know, if you've majority owner a of buyout this, bid. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So and the fact, and I think that is where, it, when I first saw this, I texted you, and I think this is where it was the coolest, was that all those guys are wanting physical cards that hate Top Shot. And like this me. is at least an option. Yeah, that's me. So, yeah, I will say, too, the more you start looking at values of things here, owning the card is not super realistic at the beginning anyways. I'm not going to pay, I wouldn't pay these prices to outright own it. But if that starts to, you know, if the value starts getting, you know, water down some or it starts dropping some because of what they're seeing in their marketplace and become more realistic. I'd definitely be a player there. I'm still going to go in and mess around and dabble in some of it. So anyways, yeah. Evan Vandenberg, that was dibs. Dibs.io. I don't know what that True. means. In the app store, it's just dibs, D-I-B-B-S. So cool that he came on. So appreciate It's only that. available on Apple, guys. So if you're wanting a free code, just keep that in mind. I think he said in a couple of weeks it'll be available for a web page, but then it's going to maybe a little bit for the Android. So when we get the codes, we'll do a little giveaway. Just keep that in mind. There you go. Cool. So that was the show today. Uh, make sure you tune in. It's uh, actually, I said last show you're supposed to be doing the drops, but I went back and listened and watched it. It wasn't, it was good. I'm not, <laughs> I, you me. gave me no notice. How I'm, am not I supposed try- to know? I'm not trying to get the Jesse mob fired <laughs> oh up. God. Uh, so I will not say that. You did a wonderful job last day and all of today, obviously. You know how so, worked up I am. Sports cards, nonsense. Make sure you check it out, especially on Spotify, but it's on any other place you get your, uh, your podcast. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube, still the different shows there. Anywhere you want to watch it, podcast is the big thing. We're definitely trying to push, get our podcast numbers up. SportsCardsNonsense.com. We got a bunch of frequently asked questions, card services, different things like that. You can find me We have Jesse. one piece of merch. There's we more one, coming. One piece of merch. You can find us on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, uh, Facebook in the group, awesome forums, different places. You can get more access uh, to us if you want it. If not, we will be back next week. That's a lie. We'll be back in a couple days. Today's Monday. That's still We're going to cut week. this part. We don't have to cut it. What day don't is today? Cut it. Oh no! Well, yeah. So we'll be back next week. Yeah, it is. It's never Thursday. cut anything. Mike never says. cut a word. <laughs> so we will be back next week. And we'll drop the show on Tuesday. We got some See cool guests Tuesday. next week too. So we're excited. Thanks for tuning in, boys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.